so then I got Erin's com- computer, and she had about, let's say, about a dozen or so applications running, including a lot of Adobe apps. And I was like, well, these have to be quit. And I was like, nothing is saved. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is my fault, but it's my birthday. Hey, happy birthday, Aaron. He says, happy birthday, Aaron. Don't be mad at Luke, Gomer. <laughs> too late. He says, too late. <laughs> <laughs> no, be mad at me. No, okay. No, no, no. Okay. Dude, I like was sad when I said goodbye to you at, at the airport. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's really nice to be able to hang out with, with with you a lot these past few months. Yeah, I mean, you could do it a lot more often if you lived in my basement. <laughs> right? Right. Do you have a basement? Nope. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I'll give you a no, shovel. It's, it's just dirt. If it's door, it's just dirt here. That's, okay. that's weird. <laughs> Gomer, this is just a plastic bin that you store your children's outside toys in. Yep. <laughs> and you are their new outside toy. <laughs> so here's your schedule. <laughs> Noah wants to play from 11 to noon. Then he's got to get a snack. I hope you like kids chewing on you because that's what they do with their toys. <laughs> oh, man. can I t- Let's talk about children real quick. My daughter, Cecilia, sure. got dressed up in one of her fanciest dresses and sang tonight at uh, their... Moving up ceremony, which is what they do for the yeah little kids. And mm -hmm. now, for those of you who don't know, my daughter Cecilia has an extreme anxiety disorder. She, I don't, I don't want to say disorder, anxiety issue. She, whenever she perceives something, whether it's everyone looking at me or someone making fun of me or whatever it is, or as it was last night, I'm wearing the wrong. Uh, nightgown, and as it was this morning, this dress doesn't have a pretty symbol or picture on the front. She doesn't just like scream and freak out like a kid, like normal kids do, like the rest of my kids do. She has a complete emotional collapse where she either gets enraged and bitter scream, hot tears stuff, or she just, she just, life is over, nothing matters, and she collapses in her own tears. <laughs> Cecilia, what's wrong? What's wrong? You got to deal with this with all, all these different ways and approaches that we've tried to use over over the years since she was kind of given a diagnosis with this anxiety stuff. But um, she went up today with her class. She held the American flag while we did the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, and then she took a, a big step backwards, and I was on the side, and now I, I could, all I see is her knuckles and the flag. And I'm like, ah, they're being blocked by all the kids. Um, but then they sang, and uh, Luke, I want to know if you know this song. The whole, all the different kids, there's like four or five different classes, they sang Michael W. Smith's A Friend is a Friend Forever. Do you know that song? I put myself, I sorry, I put myself on mute because I was pulling up the Facebook page and didn't want to hear the, uh, uh, didn't want to have the Audrey um, Assault effect going on. Um, no laugh there, huh? Nope. 
Nope. Just <laughs> just pissed off you let me hang in. Now I got to edit this. <laughs> no, sorry. So I had it on mute and I was uh, I was responding and I was like, wait, he can't hear me. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I do that so often. Um, yeah, because a friend's a friend forever because the Lord's the Lord of Lords. No. The friend right? is a friend forever if the Lord if is the Lord, the Lord yeah, of right. them. And a friend yeah. will not say... But uh, it's so funny because when I was in eighth grade, I had to Tell sing that song. Tell me why it's song. so funny. Because oh, when no. I was in eighth grade, I had to sing that song. You dick. Uh, I had to sing. <laughs> oh, 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 hilarious. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, we had a good run here at Catching Foxes. 90.1 episodes. Good night. Luke. Luke. Send it into the ground. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. <laughs> You're a terrible person. My freaking daughter sang. It's a big deal. I know. It no, is a big deal. I'm no, super proud of no, her. No, you're making fun of it. You're making I'm fun of me. I'm not making fun of it. I'm making fun of you. I know. That hurts Those are me. two totally different things. You can totally make fun of her. Just don't make fun of me. It's my birthday tomorrow. <laughs> it's funny. I just had my wife, and I was like, why do you have 12 applications open? She was like, it's my birthday. And I was like, but why? <laughs> <laughs> Resource management. Do you know how much that's how much it's hurting your RAM? <laughs> RAM, RAM, oh, how? Okay, that's a few good men. Oh my, oh my gosh, I am the winner. Um, give me a second here and assign it to her to it. Okay, so yeah, no, that's so. How do you when you, your daughter has anxiety? Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? Uh, I threaten her life. That usually makes everything worse. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So That's good. Shannon comes down, down the, the st- right. <laughs> Shannon comes <laughs> down the stairs, and she goes, "I can't even. I can't even. You have to deal." And I said, "What's wrong?" And she's like, "She wants to get into a different dress." Now, mind you, I am leaving in one minute with her, and she's like, "I, I she has been up, up and dressed since seven a.m., and it is almost nine a.m., and now she is screaming and crying." <laughs> And just hands clenched, locked arms, and just screaming and crying and doesn't know what to do. And so I come to the top of the stairs. I'm like, Cecilia, come to the top of the stairs. So she comes out of her room, which is right next to the stairs. Comes to the top, and I lay down really low. I literally have to do this so she's not scared of me. I'm not adding to the anxiety. And I go, come here, baby. Come here, baby. And she laid down on the floor and curled up in my arms like she was a baby. And I just held her, and I just asked her questions in a very calm and soothing voice until she calmed the frick down. And then I said, what's wrong? And she said, well, I want another dress. And I said, but you're wearing this dress. We're leaving in a minute. And she's like, but this one doesn't have a pretty design on it. And I said, do you have a dress you want? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, grab that dress. It has to be long enough to cover your little, your shorts that you put over, you know, under your dress. So she goes and grabs a dress that literally has no designs on it, but it has like a little flower stitched into the top. She puts it on Mm -hmm. and she's like, here. And I'm like, that didn't have any design on it. Don't you want this other dress that has a design on it? And she's like, no, I want this one. So she puts it on. Literally 10 seconds go by. She falls to the ground. 
hysterically screaming and crying. I don't want this dress. I can't wear this dress. So is it about the dress? Probably not. But at this point, we are now late. We are now late, and I have to go. I'm trying to help my wife out who has bronchitis, trying to take the kids, gymnastics. Oh, so she, she does have bronchitis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm. she's, she's horribly weak. So I grab Cecilia. At this point, it's done. Like, there's no other options. I can't crawl on the ground again and get all snuggly with her. So I pick her up, and I put her in her bed so I can be eye level with her. And I say, listen, girl, take a deep breath. Calm yourself down. Tell daddy what dress you want, and let's go. Right, so I basically did the loving thing, and then did the I don't give a shit anymore thing, which is what I feel like my fatherhood oscillates between. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, Michael Gormley is the sweetest, kindest, holiest, most humble, loving person, and he's a monster. And I just oscillate between these two things, and it, she just drives me like insane. She owns me. My daughters own me. Like they, I'm wrapped around. It- yeah. What? Isn't it crazy how like kids can just make you lose your shit? Mm. You know, like I've exp- now. So mine's again a little bit different being in the dorms. They're not your kids, you know. But it was just so weird going from like I love you guys, you guys are all awesome, to like you know, two like two seconds later, just being like shut the f- up and just sit in study hall, you stupid idiot. <laughs> like, yeah. Please be quiet. When We're it, just trying to study here. Yeah. You're like, you're not the funniest person in the room. You don't have to have the, you know, my daughter, so my kids are awesome. Like, they really are, on the average, my kids are better than everyone else's kids. But Take <laughs> that and everyone else. Yeah, take that, <laughs> stupid bad. Take that, Joey Muckenthal. <laughs> Taller. Did I say his name right? Ta- not even close. No. You, you should have gone for the low-hanging fruit. Hey, said, take I tried, that. Buddy. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But anyway, so... Uh, Wait, what? I was gonna say you should have gone for the low hanging fruit and just said, "Take that, John Drizaldi." Um, <laughs> oh, listen, I beat on him enough during the live podcast. That's a good point. That's a good point. But the uh, it, it is so hard to figure out what's the right way to because you don't know. Like there have been times where I'm like really like, "No, we're doing this. I'm removing options from you." So you because she literally has anxiety because she has choices. Right, you know, as adults, we're like, "Oh no, I don't know what kind of milk to get at the grocery store." There's so many different kinds, but and it can paralyze you with hyper decisions. That's why Apple, like one of the secrets of Apple's success, is that they purposely limit options so that you choose, oh, the lower end, the mid end, or the high end, or or as it's known as the really expensive thing, the really really expensive thing, or the oh my gosh, what did I just pay for this? How can I hide it from my wife? Expensive thing. Um, and, Mm uh, the thing with Cecilia is, you know, times when you're just like really blunt, sometimes that works. Sometimes that's the worst thing in the world. So I don't know how to deal. I really don't know how to deal. Now that like Katiri, she is the oldest. She's mom part two and she'll correct me. (laughs) Like, and I'm not talking like, Hey, maybe we should do this dad, but she'll be like, no, that's not what we do. You do it this way. And I'll be like, how? How how old are you? <laughs> I have a master's, thank you. <laughs> I drive a Dodge. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did a lot of research there. Yeah, in a library. Lame. No, but uh, I did say I drive a Dodge Stratus. But um, she'll she'll literally tell me how to drive. And I'm like, Katiri, have you ever driven before? No. <laughs> then well, short your head. <laughs> 
Do you drive a car, smarty pants? Didn't think so. Buckle up. <laughs> Buckle up, short stack. Daddy's closing his eyes and mashing the gas. So, uh, <laughs> short thing is, uh, being a parent is so difficult. But may or may not have its rewards. I'm still kind of waiting out for that one. <laughs> I'm told it's the hardest job that you will ever love. I was also lied to, but hey, you know. <laughs> so, Luke, what do you want to talk about for the next 10 minutes or so? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, see, I see what you did there. All right, let me pull out the old timer here. Uh, we've got a bunch of topics today. Thank you, to everyone. That's actually super, super cool. Um, yeah, so a lot of people responded really quickly. It's almost like they're paying attention now. Uh, uh, oh, well, first and foremost, let's only spend about two minutes on this. A big, big thank you to all the people out at the Atlanta XLT at the Holy Spirit Catholic church parish place yeah that was phenomenal that was a really i had such a good time it was great to hang out with matt frad who's a delight got to finally meet ike and adolo and people in his band who were really really cool um and uh thank you to dom and just all the really cool people down there and all the people that we met during the podcast all we had, we had like listeners who came out just to hang out with us so yeah and for those of you who don't know, cool. um, we went to Atlanta. So two weeks ago, I was in Cincinnati. And then last week, we were both where Luke is and where Mr. Carey is. And last week, uh, <laughs> we were in Atlanta. Good man. Very we were, handsome. We were in Atlanta, and it was great because I was hired to give the talk at the Atlanta XLT. Heaven or eternal life is union with God forever. It's the interior life of God being poured out for us. But then they hired us <laughs> to do a show in front of everyone. Now, I haven't really listened to the show because the recording kind of got a little wonky. But if we can put up like maybe a snippet or, or pull out some of the good audio, I'll put it up on our Patreon page. But I'll put it up there for free. Um, so it can just kind of you know sit there and anyone can go and listen to it. And it's an incentive to look at our Patreon page. But it was awesome. It, I had a blast. I had a blast I out there. It. I absolutely loved it. He said that they were hoping for 180, and they got 249 people to show up. So that's incredible. I could, you know, uh, yeah. It was, I mean, just to be able to, I don't know. I love meeting people who listen. Just to be able to talk yeah. to them. So if you are listening and if I'm around, come up and say hi. Um I mean, we both probably feel that way. It's just the best. It's the apps. It's so much fun to be able to hang out, talk, and uh, to meet everyone who's kind of just a part of what we are doing here. So, uh, again, a big heartfelt thank you to everyone, especially people who came out just to hear us. That's crazy to me. So, you guys are awesome. Thank you to the dude. I'm drawing a blank on his name who supports our Patreon page. I think it was Dave. Yeah, David. Yeah, he was uh, just an awesome dude. Uh, good times to our new friend from Trinidad and Tobago. Thank you. Uh, and to everyone just for hanging out. So, right. Man, I can't find her thing. Ah, maybe it's a little lower. Trinidad and Tobago. Re reach. Rich. Dang it. Wait. I'm trying to find her, the girl, the young woman from Trinidad and Tobago. She liked our podcast, and now it's, it's not coming up on the liked 
Well, like perhaps she was like, "Oh, never mind." Yeah, <laughs> that would be so funny. He's like, "What?" I could tell at at the end there was this blonde haired girl who like everything that I said. She was like, "Oh, that's horrible." <laughs> <laughs> like oh. on, on her face by by the end, she was like, "Yeah, you guys should probably stop now." <laughs> nice, and we kept going. <laughs> it just kept giving me more alcohol. I just kept saying whatever I thought. Oh, Luke, Luke. <laughs> Listen, that's what makes it fun. Remember at the end, I told everyone, if you, if you are single and haven't left w- 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 with the person's phone number, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and uh, the, ladies and gentlemen, when Luke said that, you can see so many people, like, eyes get really wide, start contracting into their turtle shells. Like, well, oh, God, no. With, that's the problem with all these stupid young adult Catholics is they're like, oh, God's going to help me meet some someone. But then they don't, like, go out and actually try, try to, like, they don't go out and try, you know, to meet anyone. They just complain about how, oh, I'm single. Ugh. <laughs> I'm so drives me single. up a wall. Ugh, I'm single. Drives me up a wall. Like, oh, it's like people man. are, like, afraid oh. of their, like, hormones that God gave them. Oh, right. man. Embrace your hormones, bitches. Embrace oh. the horniness that the Lord has given to you. <laughs> Luke, you're really judgmental against people. What's your problem, Damn. man? Well, I have a podcast, therefore. Oh, you're an authority. Let's do, ladies and gentlemen, this is Luke Instructs. <laughs> All right, so anyways, uh, 10-minute topics. Wait, Ready, you didn't set. even say the most important part of the night. How was my talk? <laughs> long. Ah! Uh, <laughs> just five oh, minutes too was... long. Five minutes too long. Just five minutes too long. You've gotten better. I mean, there have been times where I feel like you've gone over at least 40 minutes. I have never in my life gone over 40 minutes, except for all those times I did about five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, are we ready to do this? I kind of feel like we have been. Yeah, no, I, I know. It's just, we're gonna, I mean, we're going to do a new topic. So. But um, um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening so far. But now we got to talk about our sponsor for this show, Lumabox. Lumabox, L U M I B O X. Lumabox.co is a Catholic subscription box supporting artists, musicians, ministers, and creatives. They've been around since February 2017, and they are here to curate and deliver high quality Catholic products to fill life with beauty and inspire faith. They provide an easy way to support inspired Catholics who are creating for the church, favoring the lesser known and up and coming. I love that. It lets those who work for our big church family to really connect to others and thrive in their ministry. I want to thank Lumabox for sponsoring our show, and you can help them and this show by going to lumibox.co. That's C-O. Go to lumabox.co. And check out their subscription packages. It comes in one month, three month, and one year subscriptions and can be given as a gift. This is super important because you visiting our sponsor makes us look good. So just head over to Lumabox, really beautifully designed stuff to fill life with beauty and inspire faith. Thanks, Lumabox. So this one I like. This is from Davis. He says, anything Catholic schools related K through eight model governance issues, question mark, click on the see more, um, give, give me more school talk y'all. Now I could go on and on about this. Uh, So I'm not, (laughs) um, you were principal for like a day. You were principal. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) So for those of you don't know, one day Luke calls me up and he goes, 
hey, man. And I'll, as soon as he starts off the conversation with, hey, man, you know it's going to be interesting. And Luke, <laughs> Luke was doing some administrative stuff at this, uh, the school that we've mentioned in the past in, in Northern California. And he's like, you're probably going to get a call sometime. Uh, I wrote you down as a reference. I'm trying to become principal of a school. I was okay, like, I wasn't trying to become. I applied for a position. Right, that's the same thing. Trying to become. Yes. Well, you, you're not trying to become one if you. I mean, you applied for the position. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but it wasn't like my goal is to be is to be like a principal. It's more like, hey, this is a really cool position. I, I got gotcha. you. Okay. You know what I mean? It's, it's, a, uh, it's nuanced, much like our faith, perhaps, huh? <laughs> huh? Oh, your semantic gymnastics. Okay. Well, and so this guy <laughs> calls me, and we have. Uh, he asks me. He says, you know. Um, Mr. Carey is, is, is near the top of our list. And I'm like, <laughs> Mr. Carey. <laughs> and then he asked me all these questions, and I give you this glowing recommendation. Glowing. <laughs> glowing. Like, and, and then he was the guy on the couch for a bit, a very good guy on the couch. Yeah, if you're going to have a guy on the couch, it's got to be him. Yeah, he slept on my couch for about three months. But I will say this. Kept the odor to himself. <laughs> largely picked up a, at least once a week. <laughs> To the point where we could have girls come over, uh, <laughs> maybe like once a month. Um, no, I, the best part was at the very end. He goes, "Now, Mr. Gormley, I have to say this: this in no way, shape, or form reflects <laughs> on Luke." Tell the story, and I go, "Okay." And he goes, "I'm, I'm just personally curious." And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And he goes, "Does Mr. Carey have a stutter?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> Like, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> like, I'm like, do I lie to him? And then they just find out, you know? <laughs> and then he goes, okay, I was just wondering because we did, like, two phone interviews and a Skype interview. And the phone interviews, I never heard him stutter once. But then the Skype interview, he did a lot more. I was like, ah, it's just nervousness. And he goes, oh, okay, okay, okay. He's like, but I had no idea. And I was like, oh, just a little. <laughs> just a little. Just a little. I'm actually going to speech therapy now, so. Ooh, it's been good. It's been weird. It's been very. Weird. I mean, it's been good. It's just been like, wow. Doing the, I have not done it since I was eighteen. And the fun part is, uh, some of the sentences that I have to read as I'm developing and uh, trying to learn all of these different strategies. Because it's not about trying to cure. Because that's really not right. possible. It's more about you know, can you become eighty two? You know, it's about being as. It's about being as fluent as you can, which the goal is like 90 upper center. So, and so it's, so I'm have to read all, like all these extenses and I was going, I was going like through it and I just stopped and thought I've read this before. And I was like, I was like, I have read and I uh, saw the copyright on it. It was from 1988. <laughs> and I was like, yep, I've absolutely read this before. Wow. So it was, yeah, it was just, it was, it's like in a weird way, it's a, um, it is as close as I could ever go to going back to high school. I know it sounds weird, but it's just like that. Hey, you know what's great? We had a topic on it, K through eight education. <laughs> we made and, it about us, and we made it. About... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, so here's my thoughts on Catholic schools, and I would be curious to get your take on this as well. Um, when you look at evangelization in the modern world, one of the things that I believe it's Pope Paul the Six, he says hesitantly talks about is the um is we have to i think he calls like we need to speak to this oh gosh I'm, i don't remember the exact word so i'm not going to to try it but he pretty much is is like saying we have to 
really renew and evangelize our only humanity and try to be and like preach and dis and to preach and talk and to uh, really try to support like what it means to be a real human being, you know, like, like the best of all humanity. And I think that's what Catholic schools do so well when they are done right. The problem is that I really think that ca- uh, Catholic schools are the one of the most important um, how do I put this? I guess I would uh, use I would use like methods we have to disciple others. It really is like it is the best place to go and uh, to be formed as a Catholic. I think for the most part, like one of the best the uh, best places. So one of the biggest issues with Catholic schools is it's a spiritual warfare battleground. You will get the crap kicked out of you have every year. I, I, I promise you that. And the problem is, is that because of, um, where people are in their, the people who run the schools, the staff, the parents, all of that, if, if like everyone's not all in, I kind of think you don't have a chance and it's just going to be miserable the whole time. Pretty much. By don't have a chance. You mean don't have a chance to make disciples, which yeah, is the point of a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Instead, you're just going to be an academic institution. No. And like, I'll, I'll say you will not, you will always have extreme issues that will always make you question. Is this, you know, actually worth it? Because it's not, you know, cause like you're not fulfilling what is your actual mission. Cause like, if you really boil down to it, most, most Catholic schools, they're like, um, what, you know, is their mission? It's to really form their mind, character, and their spirit, if you will, kind of those three areas. And you, it is impossible to do all of those things in a, um, a Catholic setting if everyone isn't on board. Because you can't give what you don't have. Yeah. You know, so like you can really do like one of those things. I think, you know, you can, and we tend to fall on the side of the, um, intellectual, the mind and the work ethic part, part, which is good, but those are not requirements for a good Catholic. Yeah. So to be a real cat. And so I've, I have been blabbing on, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it. The goal is to have a Catholic identity on a school, right? So it's a school. It's going to do what every other school does. And it's going to add Catholic components to it, right? And and I think that's the problem is the church views the school as, you know, an extension of the family, right? And most education, when you look at education, most education was supposed to be that. The, the school was an essential part of the polity or the body politic of a local community, and the Catholic schools were always these extensions of the parish, right? Of the, the, the ecclesia domestica, the domestic church and all this stuff. But what ends up happening is it just becomes like any other public school with the Catholic coding. So, yes, we have maybe weekly mass or if we're really awesome, we have daily mass or, you know, maybe we have this, that and the other thing. But a Catholic school has to have the Catholic spirit penetrate throughout the whole aspect of it. And it doesn't mean you just pray all the time. I'm not saying that at all. But there is a difference. And I've, just, I've, I've been to Catholic schools that are rocking it. Uh, I, I mean, 
when I was there, St. James Academy in Kansas was amazing. They had beautiful artwork throughout the whole school. Okay, and in fact, they they hired. I I want to say they had like two artists on staff, and one of the things they did was they painted all these religious scenes, but they used the 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 children's faces from the senior class and painted them into the different biblical scenes. Which I was, it sounds weird, like uh, the way I'm describing it, but it was amazing. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. That, no, sure. So, like, as a Catholic place, I would want to evangelize with art. I would want to evangelize, yes, with having the best, the best academics you can possibly afford. But I feel like too often when people, and I think this is a reflection of our, our spiritual lives, is we think a Catholic school is a school that has mass maybe in the middle of the week or whatever, and a school that, you know, maybe starts an your day with prayer. But other than that, you know, it, it's just day, the work-a-day world. And I feel like that's a reflection of our spiritual lives where for most of the stuff at church, we just, you know, to say like, oh, we're having a Christian meeting. Well, what is a Christian meeting? Well, we'll just bookend it with prayer and then we're done, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think the – I would agree about the public school part. And this is honestly what I was trying to say earlier, but I just – but um, I failed horribly, so please edit that out. Um, or just keep it. Who cares? Uh what the majority of our Catholic schools do is they try to produce really good people, which I have a really big problem with because it it inherently turns the student into a project. And we give them all these great tools where they're going to do very well in life, which is why I think we've it's they've been so big over the past half a century and why people are so attached to it because they really do, uh, they really do learn all these great things but it's basically more of a school in um, almost like secular um, humanism just how to be a really good person and there's value to that that's a good thing to try to strive for but as Catholics we we know that that there is more to a there, there, there is more to life than just trying to be good, you know, and it's ultimately about being in communion with Christ and at Catholic schools, you have a really good chance that that's like, a, I mean, that's where that can, you know, like happen. And that's why I think they get the crap kick, you know, kicked out because a Satan doesn't, I mean, this is such a stupid cliche. Um, like, I always kind of hate when people are like Satan hates you, so it's hard. But it's like I've experienced this so often. Every school that I have been to gets the crap kicked out of them every every year. And I've been at schools where the, I've been at schools that are uber like liberal, and I've been at schools that are as right wing as you can get. They're all probably very pro Donald Trump, and they all <laughs> experience the same thing because that's the one of that's it's such there's such opportunity to bring teens, parents, you know, staff members into a deep communion with Christ there. Because you're right. You're absolutely right. It's an extension of the parish. And that goes for like – In the most case, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, mean, I would say like even high school. So you're a part of the school. You're a part of the church community. And – and like like Pope Benedict has this great quote where he's speaking to Catholic uh, Catholic ed, Catholic educators out in the D.C. area, where he says Orthodox content is not enough. 
your schools have to be they have to have like a, they have to have like a vibrant community of um um of like faith is what he, yeah. uh, he was trying to say and i think we lose that and it comes from the top down so your board has to be on the same page your and your admin your like admin team has to be on the same page your staff all the faculty, everyone's got to want the exact same thing, and all the parents have to buy into that mission. Because you're, because you're, it's going to be really hard, but you all have to um, be all in, so you're willing, so you're uh, willing to um, have to suffer through it all, because that's when we're, that's when we're being the church. It's. Um, when we're suffering. I would say specifically about a school, like how do you balance the school's need to maintain its Catholic identity with also it being a freaking school in the real world, you know? Um, and I think that attitude of like, well, you got to give kids the same kind of education so they can be competitive and all that stuff. Um, JP2 has this great understanding where he talks about um, that, like the, the Catholic school is dedicated to the development of the whole man. Right, the total person, mm-hmm. right? And he says, but you got to realize that Christ is the perfect man. All human values find their fulfillment and unity in him. And so if you're like just adding a little Catholic stuff here and there, and it doesn't form the very ground, like you're not aiming the kids at Christ, then you're going to miss, you're going to miss the, the total man, the whole man, right? And mm-hmm. so the idea is, you know, we are, we are, schools should raise good citizens of our country and state, Absolutely. And, but they should also raise good citizens of the kingdom to come. And those sometimes are opposed to each other, right? I mean, the St. Paul talks about insofar as possible, live with your neighbor and, and, you know, in goodness and, and in peace and honor the emperor insofar as possible, you know, don't worship the emperor, but you know, so there's these elements that, uh, that are totally human virtues and human things that we need to cultivate, human values. But, uh, but Christ is the one that all the human values find their, find their fullest perfection. But no one will know that if Jesus is just a subject among many. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, honestly, what I think is the most like, valuable thing at a school, well, one's to have the Eucharist there. Uh, two is to have a math teacher who's really good at their job who, who knows how to manage a classroom who uh who, yeah. who knows math and is a witness yeah absolutely so absolutely. when they have to teach math they just go and they just teach math and do a great job but just by the sheer fact of who they are they are a witness to yeah. christ the most important part so i could we could uh i could go on about this. hey can i say one thing that's really like a short thing yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I was asked to do a staff retreat, faculty retreat. And they have had world-class theologians come in and lead their retreat. And then they asked me because I had a hookup. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap. And they said, listen. This is... if, if you hear me. And they said. The uh, no. No. And Sorry. I said, so what should I, what should I talk about? And they're like, basically, faith and reason. And I'm like, oh, gosh. And they're like, and half of our teachers aren't anything or not half but less than half our teachers but there's a sizable chunk that don't believe in anything do anything you know and they're just dealing with the catholic thing and they said in the past they've had a really strong catholic identity in these presenters who try to hammer this home and so my whole thing was 
uh, my focus was I, I literally spent the first hour and a half breaking down the basic gospel message of who Jesus is. And I led them in prayer to receive Christ into their hearts if they've never done that before and to uh, renew their baptismal vows. So we did, it wasn't an altar call, but it was like a prayerful reflection and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. then I tried to show them that uh, you, you can have all these Catholic trappings and turn everyone away from the Catholic Church if you as an individual are not following Christ. And I said, and the way that's manifested the most is first, how you love your coworkers, and then second, how you love the students. Because they want to see that even Sister So-and-so was actually a Christian when she taught theology. You know, they want to see that stuff happening. And so uh, it was yeah. it was well-received. I thought it was well-received. No, I would agree. I would love to do a retreat for a staff. We will, Thank Luke. We so will. We will. Hire us. <laughs> we'll do it. It'll be, it'll be explicit and profane, but it will be fun. <laughs> All right, uh, I can. That's a topic we'll probably come back to at another point in time because we both I mean, and we'll have, have a guest. Great thoughts on. We'll it. have a guest. Yeah, I would love to talk to a person about it. One of my friends was of... one of these. Uh, I shouldn't say friends. People that I know would just let go from her school, mm-hmm. and I would love to have her on. Ooh, it doesn't quite like a bitter teacher. They all are. All right, um, I could have been making a lot, like a whole bunch more money if I didn't taught here. Um, heard that a lot. All right. Um, next one, Gomer, you want to talk about sex? I do. I really want to talk about sex. Can we talk about sex, baby? Uh, did, did you see the link that I put underneath that though? There is no sex in the champagne room. I, you know, really quick, what part of that song I forgot that I thought was so funny. And as a kid, I thought it was so funny as well. He goes, cornbread, ain't nothing wrong with that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) And then one of our listeners wrote, I love this line. I say it all the time. Cornbread. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I want to talk about sex, baby. I, want, I just want to talk about you and me. All the good things? And the bad things. That may be. Um, so first and Let's foremost. Let's talk about sex. Baby. <laughs> first and foremost, uh, <laughs> I have had a massive uptick in the amount of people, mostly last year who came to me as adults, I do adult faith formation, who came to me with very strong sexual problems. Uh, serial adultery, prostitution, uh, or visiting prostitutes, um, uh, impotency, uh, did I already say porn addiction? Um, no. and, then, and then, so I was like, okay, I'm dealing with the deviants, right? The people that super love sex and want to have sex all the time and blah, 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 and they're cheating on their spouses and then i started getting spouses coming in who were complaining about their sexless marriages and one after the other i'm telling you in the span of two or three weeks i had people who had been married for 10 15 20 years coming to me saying that they had had sex uh you know maybe 15 times their entire marriage Mm. their entire marriage and so I, 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 I was with this guy named Paul George. He's a Catholic speaker, dude. And I was talking with him. I said, How, how's your adult ministry going? Because he's now out of youth ministry, and we were talking about stuff. And he's like, and I said, okay, let me ask you a question. Sexual problems. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I get this stuff all the time now. So we started commiserating, commiserating on some of this stuff. And then I did a Theology of the Body week. I do it every year. I do five days on the Theology of the Body at my parish. And this, I'll, I wanted to tackle sexual issues. I didn't really get to it in as much graphicness as I wanted to. 
But also there's like the Franciscan University like Facebook group where women are like what what was the thing? Like these wives? I mean, these are like the most conservative people on the face of the earth. And they're like, my husband ejaculates too quickly, so he's wearing a, a cock ring. And I'm like, like <laughs> I am, I, as someone who is a recovering pornography addict, I was blushing reading these things that my wife was. I never thought that word would be said on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that word. Uh-huh. Oh, blushing? Um, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Ugh. It's Ugh. a weird BL word. Ugh. <laughs> Blush. Ugh. It's, Blush. Like, Ugh. it's like moist. So Moist. Moist toilet. Um, moist. So anywho, th- this is something that I think we need to discuss because the whole idea around modesty around sex has led to a bunch of people. I, I'm not saying like they don't know what sex is because that's the right, the modern stereotype. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you virgins don't know how to have sex. But there is. Au contraire. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the matter? I think there's, that's an area to me where I think a thing like Unbound could be really powerful. And now I know there's some people who have issues with Unbound. I'm on the fence about it. But what I'm trying to say is that's an area where I think, let's be honest, all of us uh, need profound healing. Like profound, profound healing. Yeah, absolutely. Sexual healing. You know, like, because I think we are, for the most part, uh, John Paul II, we've really quoted John Paul II a, 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 a lot tonight, which is always good. Um, you know, he says being chaste is not just abstaining because you're just like the rabid dog that's like, you know, tied up or something. And I think that tends to be what has happened to a whole a uh, whole bunch of us because we have experienced such profound woundedness. Um, you know, um, it's like I bet you half of our listeners have been abused. At some point in time, one third to half, and that messes you up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably almost everyone went too far when they were in high school or in college, and that sin has consequences. Yeah, and it's not just about trying to confess your sins, but to you know experience real healing. And um, I don't know the best way to go about that yet. Okay, now here's really don't. here well, number one: Bob Shoot healing the whole person. Uh, it's it's remarkable the stories that I'm getting from people who have been involved in that ministry, healing the whole person. We're actually hosting it at my church. Come fly into my church, and then we can have a conversation. Um, uh, even though I'll be at a student bill the weekend, but uh, <laughs> stay an extra week. Uh, we can Skype. <laughs> we can Skype. We fly out of here, but I'll be gone. We Skype. Um, but the profound amount of healing, absolutely. But I also think we just need to talk about these things in a little bit more open and honest way. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Without yeah, it I, being dirty. Because the world just wants to be like, we're going to talk about sex. And it's like, it's all wrong. It's all the wrong thing. So this is, this is what I want to talk about sex. You ready for this, Luke? Are you buckling up? Mm-hmm. Okay, number one, NFP is horrifically difficult. Okay, NFP. I so doubt every class. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Because I was so scared every class that they're going to pull out the mucus picture dictionary, and I'd have to stare at that and say to myself, "Just breathe, Gomer. Just breathe." Meanwhile, my wife is like, "This is so fascinating," and I'm like, "Oh, it's mucus from a vagina. I gotta get out of here." Um, (laughs) And it's an 80 year old woman, literally 80 years old, giving us this class. But uh, so my whole deal is, I love NFP. I actually do love NFP, and we do. You know, the whole charting, and we got charts, and there's there's uppercase I's that I'm really proud of. But the whole notion of this is this is what I've discovered, right? 
so there's an aspect of sex that that is very theology of the body inspired, right? Where it's like it's mutual self-giving. You just want to love, right? You just want to give yourself over in love to your beloved. But then there's this other aspect of sex where I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Gormley, all you want is to have a good time. But you actually have to satisfy her. So come up with a strategy. It is work, Luke. It is work. <laughs> no, it is. It's And it's like it can be scary and like as much as we're like, yes, I know how this works. It's also like, oh, how does this work? <laughs> yeah, it, I'm trying. I'm trying. Nothing's happening. <laughs> yeah. But it's so fun. It's so funny to me. I remember the first advice I ever gave someone at a honeymoon terrified or not uh, of the honeymoon at the wedding terrified of the honeymoon. The bride was, she got a lot of like, really like, you know, just mean and hurtful things that some other people had said to her about, Life and sex and your men don't care about you. And it turns out the girl lost in Virginia at age 12. So, of course, those men didn't care. About <sighs> but this, not, not the bride, the bride's friend who was feeding her all this bad stuff. And so she says, oh, okay. uh, yeah, and so my, and my friend says to me, what advice do you have? And I said, well, it takes eight minutes for a woman to orgasm. It takes about one minute for a man to orgasm. Figure out what to do to make up the seven-minute difference. <laughs> and he just started dying laughing. And we're in the sacristy. And we're, like, trying to do, it's talk about this stuff. But you realize, like, there's a lot of conversation that's, like, really immodest, impure, just wrong-headed. Oh, I shouldn't say wrong-headed. Wrong. Just wrong conversation about all this stuff. But then that we are so tight-lipped about certain things. I think Christopher West and his Theology of the Body Race, one of the big things is we need to talk about certain aspects of this. Because then dysfunction is just going to reign. So this is my one mm -hmm. NFP sex story. I told Shane that we were going to talk about our sex life tonight, and she goes, oh, great. But she didn't say no. So here's Aww. the thing, right? Good job, Shannon. Yeah, yeah, voyeurism. So <laughs> we, uh, we that she in no way benefits from because I'm just going to make fun of her. Um, we, using NFP, the whole thing is when you're fertile and you have strong reasons not to have kids, you refrain from sexual activity during that time. So I don't know how you feel, but when a woman's on her period, you also probably don't want to have sex at that time. So there's periods, no pun intended, where you have to, where you have to abstain. And then there are plenty of times where you can have intercourse without uh, worrying about too much um, creating a baby. But mm -hmm. the, then there's the time where... You can't have intercourse when you're allowed to have intercourse, right? When you're not fertile because of work, because of life, because of illness. And then when all the stars align and you finally, it's been a long time since you've engaged in the marital embrace, coitus, if you will, <laughs> that all I'm thinking about is, all right, all right, all right, this is going to be awesome. But I have to make it awesome for both parties involved. And then I had a great time, but it was the most disappointing <laughs> sexual encounter I think of my wife's entire career. And I'm like, it's not my fault. It's been 20 days. Oh, my God. No, I got to go to sleep. Good night. Yeah. Oh, I got to go to work. It was a morning thing. Got to go. And she's like, well, guess what? We're pregnant. So, but we're not. We're not. We're not. But you know what I mean? Like, you have all this anticipation and all this abstaining. And then, for me, it was fine. <laughs> Let me reiterate. I had a blast. <laughs> High fives uh, all around. <laughs> not all around, just to myself. Uh, it is so. That's a sin. It is no, not that. Mm. <laughs> but it is. It is difficult. It is. People don't understand how difficult it can be, right? So we talk about where there's a lack of intimacy. All you have is technique, right? 
And I just mm-hmm. used that line last night as I taught my last inclusion class on the theology of the body. And But there's also this aspect of I want – and this is JP2, Love and Responsibility. It's a JP2 day. I want, it, I want to give myself to my wife in the act of lovemaking. However, I never thought it would be so much work. It is so much work. But I believe in that work there is, there is the virtue of it. Because you want, you want, you want, let me just put it this way. You want both parties to be happy, satisfied and smiling. Am I right? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's good to talk about this stuff because I think it's so easy to talk around or about theology of the body, but not the practical application of it, like the nitty grittiness of it. And, and when it's about sex with me, it's all gritty. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I shower once a week. Sorry, love. So many opportunities for horrible jokes. I uh, know, right? I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> I feel like we're like hitting on things we sh- that we could spend like a half hour on. Uh, but this is good. So anyways, I, I walk away from this just with the continual courage to just like – just to talk about this with Aaron. You know, yeah. be willing to engage in these conversations and to acknowledge that it's part of the sacramental reality of our of our lives. You know, it's this is the gift of is the gift of self yeah. for each, each other. Plus, it's awesome. It is awesome, and that's the wonderful thing: is it is better that it is not a one sided cheap thrill. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think yep. of, I, and selfishly, you want it to kind of be like, well, you know, like, like there's a part of me, this fallen, broken, pornographic part of me that says, you know, like, I almost wish, you know, I, in my 20s, I was like everyone else or like the people that, you know, my friends who didn't really care about church or, you know, all that stuff. And I wasn't abstaining and, and being, trying to be chased for my beloved, um, I almost wish, you know, like, the, you know what I mean? Like, you long for the flesh pots of Egypt. I long for the flesh pots at the strip club, but there's no sex in the champagne room. But mm-hmm. this, that whole notion of, like, yeah, but I just want it to be dirty and, and just get what I want out of it and then not care and walk away. But you realize that the sacrifice of actually caring about the other person does, in fact, make it better overall if in this mm-hmm. or that individual circumstance. But the, the last thing I want to say is, there are too many couples who are not talking about their sex life to each other. Yeah. Me, you, me you and my what? wife communicate. I shouldn't say all the time. Sorry, that's what we talk about. But it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I think that's one. That's, that's, I'm starting to learn. I actually have my spiritual director bring this up to me. The importance of putting the marriage, have that be first. Yeah. And so then let's the love come out of that, you know, because – like all of the feelings kind of like wax and wane a little bit. And like, they're there, like deep down they're there. I, I love my, I absolutely adore my wife. I just love being around her, but you know, it, it can be hard. And, uh, yeah, I can. think we, when you, <laughs> when you put the marriage first, that implies putting your sex life first, having that be in a, that's an important part of marriage and you have to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, if you aren't, be, if you're one of the spouses and you're not being satisfied in sex, you need to talk about that with your spouse. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and this yeah. is, I would say, this is this is doubly hard for men. Difficult. I'm gonna stop saying hard. It's difficult for men because men's egos are so 
fragile around sex. And by men, I mostly mean me. But there, you know, where it's like this isn't working, or I don't like this. You're like, oh, she hates me, and I have a tiny penis, and I gotta go home. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's this whole thing. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. And I know that there are men who don't listen to their wives because they can't handle the wound of their pride. Their life is like, I don't like this. This isn't working. Our sex life is horrible. And the men don't listen, and it just stays at this place because he's fine. And as long as he's fine, he thinks she's fine, and I don't care about what she says to the contract. So that's deadly dangerous. What's the next topic, Luke? The next topic is – actually, I'm going to go over to Instagram. (laughs) <laughs> wait we were doing that i almost said me and aaron were doing that the other day and i remember it was you and me <laughs> i'm your other wife <laughs> i know it's so to i'm a chick Ooh, so this one kind of hits close to home so we may i don't know if we can really go into this or if we know a lot about this but this is from instagram uh this is at like little miss kenzie i think that we met her at the Houston meetup. Uh, she says UST. Um, uh, they actually like, might uh, dissolve two integral yeah. um, departments at their school. Two of the like liberal arts departments, and what's that mean? So this is the University of St. Thomas in out Houston. In, yes, yeah. in Houston, down downtown, might might actually um, a dissolve two integral uh departments from yeah. english the stuff. and philosophy holy shit english english and philosophy it is horribly controversial uh i think the english department maybe have figured out settled like they basically basically there is a war on tenure right now in a lot of campuses not just college campuses but campuses all over the country there's a war on tenure and the whole point of tenure is to enable professors to say the truth that the research is bearing out and and not worry about losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. But tenure also means seniority, which also means higher pay and all this stuff. So there is totally a war on tenure going on, which is a very old practice. But to take out philosophy, and it's either English or English lit. Um, But it is is a lot of jobs. I'm not familiar with all this stuff in a person. I have a friend who go I actually I have like 20 friends who go to UST a couple of them have talked to me about it but it is blowing up how can you call yourself a catholic school and try to shut down the philosophy department like that is literally the branch of reason <laughs> like how do you do that but so it's just, it, it, you know it's like oh it's all done under these like cost saving things and they're buying people out of their contracts and other stuff like that but oh it is gross so is, does it come down to a money thing? They just don't have the money to pay everyone? Don't have the money to pay philosophy and English? Oh, no. I mean, it's messed up. But, I mean, is that just what it's... I mean, I think that... that's the excuse. I mean, these people make six-figure salaries. Yeah. You know? Like, I think they can find it for some poor professors. But, I, I mean, there's a lot of things that have happened at the school that people are enraged about in terms of money. And I can't really speak to too much of it, you know, like... You know, the, the minimal amount of vocations, but this massive new, you know, whatever monastery or rectory or whatever it is for the four priests that are there. It's it's uh, weird. You know, yeah. it's stuff like that where you can nitpick the stuff to hell. But you don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, they built a new friary for our friars at Franciscan. But 
half the people probably don't know that the damn old friary was literally falling in on itself and they had to build it in yeah, a new yeah. location. So No, that's true. I mean they had like community showers there still. Like those like oh yeah. It it uh you know, and that's one of the hard parts when you're in admin is you really see like, oh, gosh, this is a rock and a hard plate. Yeah, like, yeah, it's brutal. You know, it's you, brutal. Yeah, it can be so because you just – yeah, it's – that's really tough. And it's – I think that personally, uh, you know, it could it could be. I could be wrong. But you – this is – you know, there are parishes all over the country that are closing down or having to yeah. – consolidate and blah 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 and we could just be i I am completely this is a this is a guess so i really should probably not be even saying this but i'm but i'm going to because i have a podcast and that's the point um is like what's going on is that could be an an extension of that that people just aren't catholic anymore and they don't care so what you're having is the um is the dwindling of these institutions that everyone thinks is just always going to be around yeah. and they're not, yeah. they're yeah. not, they're, they're just not. So, um, your Catholic high school that's been around for 80 years or so that, you know, has a, you know, 10 year long like, waiting list. Once like that list is, is, you know, finally like over with, uh, the school could probably close down cause they're just, people aren't going anymore. Yep, yep, yep. I, so I wish we could speak a little bit more to this issue, but I think the wider aspect of it is, is what is education in the West anymore? We're de- yeah. mm-hmm. We constantly depart from the, I mean, okay, so you look at it from the perspective of the Dark Ages. In the Dark Ages, one of the most important projects was the gathering and retaining of ancient wisdom and knowledge, secular and religious. So you have one of the early founders of a Western university, was an Eastern monastic who came west, settled in Italy, was supported by the Pope and various you know other influential Catholics, and literally all of his writings. He has a ton of writings, and they're all more or less just catalogs of stuff because that's what they saw themselves to do as preserving ancient wisdom. But at the same time, so we the Catholic Church has, and this is the interesting thing about Catholic education, is. Uh, it always taught math and astronomy and geometry and geology. It always taught that stuff right alongside theology and philosophy and all this stuff because it was forming the total person. Not everyone's going to get a theology degree, but everyone should know something about their faith. Not everyone's going to become a professional philosopher, which is one of the most disgusting things on the face of the earth, but not everyone's going to become a professional philosopher, but everyone should know how to philosophize correctly, a.k.a. to think correctly, and so it is part, and that's why, like, it always pisses me off. Like, right now, there is a war against liberal education. And liberal education, the liberal arts, is meant to free you as a person. The interior freedom of pursuing knowledge and moral goodness for its own sake, right? Outside of factory work and all this stuff. But our education is so forced into educating for a job. Instead of educating for a free person, go on. Do you think we are witnessing the collapse of? I mean, I, I think that the West is already pretty much over with. Um, like we're we're on the home stretch, pretty pretty much of that. But do you think this is? Because I, I I honestly I this is on my mind a lot. Are we experiencing the end? of the end of like uh how do i put this the end of like civilization 
I think in a okay, so there are a couple things that would point to yes, and the couple things are number one, we no longer have a shared sense of moral reasoning, right? I don't yeah. mean necessarily that we agree on everything. If you people, if people, if you people, if you sons of bitches, no, if you if you would read what happened in medieval universities, like the University of Paris when Aquinas and Bonaventure were there, if you read like the debates and all the stuff that was happening, you'd be like, are these guys Catholic or are they like they're crazy? They're all fighting each other because there was freedom there, real academic freedom. Now you look at today where there's limiting. It's not all gone. I'm not going to be one of those alarmists that says it's all gone, but. In the Catholic Church in the, that built the modern university system, because we had shared sense of moral reasoning, we could actually argue. But now we can't argue. We just scream at each other. Because if you and I don't share the first premises, we're going to end up with different conclusions every single time. Well, and, and here's the weird part is we think we're speaking the same language. Absolutely. But not. Absolutely. You know, so it's you aren't – which is what you mean by the first premise is that like we're not um, – like when you and I don't agree on what is good, then how can we argue over a thing being good or not? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's like when I mean, I love io9.com. Yeah. I love that website, but it drives me. And I used to love Deadspin, but some of the stuff that drives me up a wall. I'm like, that's not evil. What you're calling evil is not evil. And you don't even know what you mean by evil. Right. <laughs> Well, and, and, and the great work of Alistair McIntyre, the guy that I did yeah, my, my thesis exactly. on, his whole yep. thing was this incommensurability of rival moral schemes. And what that big fancy word is, is we have – it's incompatible today, our different moral systems. And you, you add to that relativism, which just straight up says, ah, it's all relative, blah, blah, blah. But the, the problem is if you and I – and this is politics. Why do we so ardently disagree? It's not that we – it's because we can't resolve the, the – the issue, unless there's something akin to a conversion, unless you reject your first principles and adopt my first principles. Think of Dr. Bernard Nathanson. He personally have aborted like 25,000 babies. Why would he ever become a pro-life person? Because it, it would have to be a, and as a, lo and behold, it's a conversion experience for these people who actually, who don't just walk away from the abortion industry, but also embrace Christianity and particular Catholicism. But this, this whole notion of why do our public debate, and this is Alison McIntyre's point, he says, the, the way these debates get resolved is to the Supreme Court. The lawyers are the clergy of the new millennium. That's how we, back in the day, the medieval university, all the clerics would argue, but then they would convince other people. And then at the end of the day, it was like, wow, okay, you proved me wrong. Okay, wow. Okay, I'm on your team. But now it's like, nope, these are hard, fast sides. They are never going to change. So that's one of the reasons why I set up the fact that we have to tend towards civilization collapse, whether or not we're there yet, tending towards it because we, we cannot agree on a lot of fundamentals, but we use the same language, so we're talking past each other. And the other thing I would say is uh, the death of the family. I mean, JP2 said, man, this is a JP2 episode. He said uh, the civilization goes by way of the family. And when you think about it from that perspective, there's Harvard sociologists who laid out there's three different types of families. There's the trustee family from which civilizations are formed. And then there's some middle one that I can't think of. And then there's the atomistic, A-T-O-M, atomistic family from or towards which all civilizations die. 
If your civilization dies, you're an atomistic family. Guess what? We're an atomistic family. Where it's just your core, immediate, nuclear family. That's what you define as a family. And it's really they exist for the sake of elevating the individual. Right? I live for my children. No. Right? And then you look at the trustee family. Or, or not just I live for my, my children. Parents who ignore their children for themselves. Or they view their children as accessories. You know, and then you look at the trustee family. The cool thing about the trustee family was you were just the ones who are alive are happen to be entrusted with the bloodline, the land, and the name. And it's their job to leave it better. That's why George Washington didn't sell his slaves until after he died. Why? Because he didn't have an heir. So he didn't have to the trustee family model ended for him and he could get because his whole moral worldview was bound up in that. And so you we no longer have that that and this guy, this this Harvard sociologist, can't think of his name, but he said every civilization that goes into the atomistic family is one that will end immediately and collapse. And, and that's clearly where we are, if not even worse. Yeah. And I, it's, it's tough too, because I just think we so what like drives me up, up, um, up a wall with all the stuff is just when it's like, it's the gays. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, like, and I mean, I, and I don't want to like point fingers at people, but it's just when there's such an emphasis on wanting to point out to everyone else, why they are wrong. Yeah. We just become like a crazy ass mob, and we become exclusion. We become a clique. Yeah, you know, it's it's yeah. instead of defining us, ourselves by what we are, we define ourselves by who we're not. That's yeah. the difference between a group of friends and a clique. Mm-hmm. Like our yeah. Greek Orthodox friend yelling <laughs> at us as we're trying to take a tour of his lovely church. <laughs> oh, I want to punch that guy in his weird bearded uh, mouth. So just to paint everyone uh, a picture of this, we're in. So we uh, we went out with our buddy uh, John and his wife Beth and their kids to this uh, very fun Greek Orthodox festival. Yeah, it was a Greek festival held at the yeah, Orthodox Greek festival church. church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. And we're gonna go into this <laughs> Greek Orthodox church, and, and there's a line, and it's like it felt like you were about to like get on a ride at Disney yeah. World. And while you're in line outside the church, there's this guy just screaming at you. And half of it was heresy. And Gomer, I thought was going to lose his shit. And it was hilarious. (laughs) I had to literally face the door and just breathe. And when I say, when Luke says heresy, he means heresy from the Orthodox Church's perspective. The guy was saying theologically imprecise things. And I literally, when they let us go inside, I walked right up to the priest who was going to give us the tour. And he's like, hello, welcome, welcome. I go, hi, Father. Real quick, that guy outside that's yelling at people, yeah, he's misrepresenting conciliar Christology. And he goes, whoa, whoa, what? It's <laughs> like, yeah, he, you really need to rein that in. Because he said Jesus <laughs> is the Father, mystically. And, and then he said. He's like, they're one person. Yeah, yeah, he said to be a person instead of nature. And Oh, man, and the funniest thing about it is at the XLT, our ortho, Russian Orthodox friend David, Patreon supporter, thank you so much. Me and him were having this wonderful conversation literally about conciliar Christology. I'm reading a book on it called Ecce Homo, and it's just awesome. It's awesome. And then this guy is literally Gregory Nazianzen would be turning in his Greg, grave is Greg, turning in his Greg, also known as Gregory of Nyssa. Okay, anyhow, I'll stop. The guy was just screaming. The the best part is when you're not a speaker guy and you don't really know how to do it, but you think you do because you're really passionate or whatever. The guy kept literally every other sentence was a question that had that was that was difficult. That was difficult to figure out the answer. So he'd be like, all right, all right, all right. There's this beautiful icon of Jesus on the outside. He goes, uh, uh, who's that? And everyone's like, Jesus. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And, and, And who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? 
people are like, uh, Savior? Right, 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 right. He's God. He's God. God. You know, you're like, I don't know what answer you want. Messiah, Savior, <laughs> guy from 2,000 years ago, what do you want from me, man? And then my favorite part was when he, he made a triangle with his fingers, but it was a terrible triangle. And he goes, what is this? What is this? And he's just holding it over his head, and no one knew what to say. It was like 30 people just dead silent because they're just like, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. You're and yelling then, at me. You are literally just yelling. And then when they were going to have us going to the church, he's like, wait, I'm not done yet. He just kept screaming. I know. We all were like, ugh. Please that was be fun. done. And we got our revenge podcast style. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> I hide behind a microphone and say what I think. But yeah, the moment was... it's in real life, boy, am I going to shrink. I got no balls. <laughs> Stepping out of the pool. Um, <laughs> how, what, how, how, where are we at in terms of time? How are we doing? Oh, we are at one hour and 13 minutes. Oh, we've got time for one more. Yeah, one more. Why not? We're young. Um, so someone wants us to talk about the rosary. and I have nothing to say about that, so I'm going to do that one. Um, Love the rosary. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, just what can we say that hasn't been said 30 million times? Uh, like, go read uh, Gurley Benedict stuff. He's got a whole bunch of good stuff on that, much better than anything that we can say. Hey, why don't we do 10 one-minute topics? <laughs> uh, gay versus SSA language. <laughs> Cultural and or moral relativism. Hate that shit. Exclamation point. <laughs> I think we already did that, right? Maybe yeah. A little. Maybe a little. Maybe what? Yeah. Yes. Gay versus that. SSA. Here's one minute. I don't give a crap if it is tied to a lifestyle or not. Te- I, technically, you would say they are same sex attracted if they are attracted to the same sex. Okay. That's fine. If they call themselves gay, I don't give a crap. Like, why do we care? It means the same thing. No, it doesn't. Gay is attached to entire lifestyle. Okay. That was very clever and insightful 10, 15, 20 years ago. But it doesn't matter now because people... you, everyone knows what you mean. Yeah, I mean, come on, you dudes who like dudes, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Maybe ladies who like ladies. No, those are lesbians. Come on, man. You can still They're call fine. them gay. I know. I, I'm done. Which kidding. is very confusing to ten-year-old Michael. <laughs> <laughs> He's Lebanese, Rose. Lebanese. That's a deep Golden Girls joke. I think like probably um, only my sisters are going. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. I'm glad you shared that then yeah, with our listen. podcast That's... audience. More Greek Orthodox. Okay. Hey, everyone, really quick. When we don't, when we don't, I'm like release an episode. It's gonna be released. Please down, please down, download that. Our egos are so tied to those download numbers. Drastically tied. To Drastically tied. And we'd suck big time. It's <laughs> 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 probably what. Oh, okay, here's the last thing that we will talk about. Um, Trump. Um, Trump and the president. Hung out with. Yeah. Or sorry, Trump and the Pope. Trump, Trump the and the Pope. Uh, that was cool. The Pope doesn't ever look happy when he's with Americans. <laughs> I'm afraid of Americans. I'm afraid of the... I love the David Bowie song. Sorry, David Bowie, Trent Reznor song. Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of the stuff, the, like the guy put it on Facebook, there's a lot to do about the, a handful of images where Pope Francis just looks pissed or like he's not enjoying himself. And Trump is like, there's one photo where he is like wide smiling and all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. And the Pope's just like, I'm here. Yeah, but they, it, they both said they had a good conversation. It was pleasant. Yeah. Maybe he, that's... And he, 
Sorry, go ahead. Maybe that's just being politically nice, but uh, I mean, there's videotape of them having a conversation in the papal apartments or wherever, and so plus you know, the Pope's just not a photogenic guy. <laughs> he doesn't play to the, he doesn't play to the camera like a John Paul II would. Yeah. You know, John Paul II kind of knew how to, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. And he's just not, he's, he's not going to like, you know, strike a pose. He's going to be like, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's at his happiest when he's just talking to Humans. people, I think. Yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2, have your thoughts on that changed? Uh, B plus. B plus. I went and saw it again last night in 3D. Um, it and was it was okay. 3D horrific. You know, you know what's like really interesting about 3D is uh, when it's done well, when they really put a lot into it, it does look kind of cool. Did you do but Avatar? Have you did you go see Avatar in 3D? Yeah, but I hated that movie. Right, I can so understand it, hating the movie, but I saw Avatar in 3D. That was shot in 3D with 3D cameras, not just mm-hmm. blurring out the background yeah. and sharpening the foreground object. You know, so. I appreciated that a lot, but I still hate it because I wear glasses. So now I have to wear my 3D glasses over my glasses, and that's mm-hmm. never fun. Yeah, it just, I mean, there were parts of Avatar that were, uh, no, there was none. I, I can't stand James Cameron or, or that. It's full of shit. Uh, this um, metal is really rare. It's called unobtainium. Uh, I'm going to prove that Jesus, ex- like, didn't die on a cross i'm gonna find his house where he lived oh. afterwards it's too uh i know everything uh, uh, even though that this was disproved by the israeli or hebrew university at Tel aviv in 1989 but i'm james cameron and i hate everyone uh, never, let go. Uh, never let go never let go here's an Old, there's an old woman during the last 20 minutes of of her of her life is gonna just sorry the last three hours of her life is gonna spend talking about some dude she hooked up with when she was 19. Oh, oh that was labored. Go on to the next thing. Have yeah, you ever been punched sorry. in the face? Uh, I mean, I think so. <laughs> I kind of think that if you were, you'd remember. Well, I mean, yeah, like playing sports and stuff, people get nah, mad. I mean, not, not anything really bad. I mean, I was punched in the back of the head one time when I was walking home by some douchebag. And then you forgot I think I how to use. About that. And then you forgot the ability to have uh, to use R's to pronounce R's. I ruined that. Never mind. Damn it. Yeah. Ugh. Well, our buddy, our buddy Dave Van Vickle, uh kicked a guy. He was a bouncer. Kicked a guy out of a bar, and then that guy waited for like two hours in the parking lot, and then smashed a beer bottle over the back of his head. Whoa, we had a huge two or three years ago, had a huge concussion, and now his short term memory is impaired. Isn't that crazy? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, it's not like it's not he's not like Dory, but he has he has issues remembering things. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I've never been punched in the face. I was punched in the ear when I was in third grade by a girl and it made me cry. (laughs) And I still remember it because I tried to wail. She was the tomboy, and she hit me out of nowhere. But, man, I'll tell you what. She had good form. She clocked me, <laughs> and I was crying. All my friends were like, you got hit by a girl. And I was like, I had an ear infection. <laughs> Cody did and you Caleb, see that girl? Cody and Caleb yeah. Nunley, I did not have an ear infection. I was lying to you then. <laughs> I'm telling the truth now, and I'm still filled with shame. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, it's we're just like firing off a whole bunch of crazy crap. We should probably end it. Oh, by the way, I feel like the new hotness is to now talk about a chidia. I hope that we helped with that just a little bit. 
No, and Father Mike talking about Father it Mike did. He has his. And name you had all, oh, and then there's the Catholic stuff. You sh- you should know podcast did a great episode on that as well. But it was all around the same time. Yeah, I really, really hope we can do something with Catholic stuff. You should know in the future. I they're do too. such good guys. I yeah, really hope we can. Yeah, they're they're I I love those dudes, except for Father Goble because he forgot about me. And I was like, we hung out twice. <laughs> You're friends with my wife. Back when she was a nun. <laughs> and my voice just cracked. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. This was fun. Uh, hey, uh, um, everyone, we want to thank you for your support. And if you want to uh, help us make more great stuff, we have a lot of really cool ideas by better <laughs> equipment uh, and all the good stuff. Where can they go, Gormley? Go to www.patreon.com slash CF. That stands for Catching Foxes, where you'll discover a whole world of great content. You could just donate a dollar, and that'd be mighty fine. Two dollars gets you access to our Patreon-only content. Five dollars gets you something. Ten dollars something else. Thirty dollars something else. And fifty dollars <laughs> something else. They're all hey, great. We... <laughs> <laughs> but here's the deal. If everyone listening to my voice just donates two dollars a month, Luke and I can quit this show, go to Mexico, and get uh, an elope together and go to some island paradise. Uh, No, but anyways, uh, there's a lot of cool things that we uh, could do and uh, and that we uh, are doing and we're able to do it because of – of all of you who are giving us money every month for some reason. I want to say after last month, I am no longer in the hole because of Catching Foxes. There you go, buddy. I know, right? And now, awesome. now I'm going to buy you equipment come June 1st. I'm going to buy uh-huh. you equipment. And it's and we're no longer going to hear your refrigerator, which... Oh, so fridge, long, Fridge. So long, Frigidaire. We hate you. Frigidaire. <laughs> um, is it a Frigidaire? Yeah, 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 well, I was, I was actually looking at it, and I, but right before you had said that, I, I thought, he's going he's gonna to name the brand of it. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to... Right when you got to my house, you walked right up to him. We're like, oh, hello, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, he keeps jumping in on my conversation with you. How dare he? Um, also, so, it. yeah, go to patreon.com slash CF in order to support us. If you don't want to support us, you know what? That's fine. You're listening to us, which is an ego boost in and of itself. Um, also, on top of that, go to facebook.com slash catching foxes podcast. Uh, that is where we're our, I, I want I don't want to say our goal, but. It'd be really sweet if we hit a thousand people because that is the primary way we communicate with you good people. Mm -hmm. If you send us direct messages, every time we're at work and we have to poop, we are checking catching foxes (laughs) on our phones. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you send us a message, that's the best way to reach us. Um, Email, email is fine. And all that good stuff. You go to catching foxes.fm catching foxes.fm. No longer a lay evangelist catching foxes.fm. If you go there, um, there's an email contact thing, and that'll get blasted out to us. But the best way is via Facebook. Yeah, we're a bit, I'm a bit behind it. There's a couple of messages I want to respond to. So sorry I haven't yet, but thank you. Yeah. Uh, we're on Twitter. I'm at the Luke V. Gomer's at uh, Fart Here. Uh, <laughs> fart Here, Fart Now. <laughs> fart Here, boys. Uh, no, you're at Lay Evangelist. The podcast is at Sea Foxes Podcast. 
Instagram, holy crap, this is getting ridiculous. At catching underscore yeah, just, foxes. Just go to our catchingfoxes.fm website. All the links yeah, it's are there. all there. Yeah. And, Green and, jacket, yellow jacket, who gives a shit? It's all right there. <laughs> you know this. I had a kid walk up to me, great goodbye party for a coworker today. This guy, young boy. Young boy. By I mean by young boy, I mean like strapping young lad. No, I didn't say any of that stuff. He was a young man, came up to me and he goes, Hey, just wanted to say hi and uh, I love listening to your show. My whole family listens. And I went, what? Oh, no. And then I realized who he was. And he goes, yeah, I always, uh, we listen to your show in the morning when my mom's making breakfast. He goes, well, actually, my mom listens to it. And when I wake up and I hear Catching Foxes playing in the kitchen, I know that today is going to be a good day. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So also, thank- that's a terrible mother. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Not at all. Who's also a coworker? So now I'm fired. Thank you, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. This has been a wonderful run. Episode 90.1. Thank you, Luke. Gomer's got to go wait tables now. Bye, Luke. I love you. (laughs) Bye, buddy. Have a good night. Hey, will you do me a favor real quick? Luma Box. Luma Box. L-U-M-I-B-O-X.